0: Causeway Cast, a podcast that explores the people, stories, and businesses of the Causeway Coast and Glens. We delve into the area's rich history, culture, and traditions and showcase the amazing people and small businesses that make up our community. This includes family run businesses, artisanal craft shops, local farmers markets, independent boutiques, and the diverse residents who call Causeway Coast and Glens home. Here is your host, Chris Arthur. Welcome to episode two of the Causeway cast. I am Chris Arthur, and I am excited to have on this episode, Gemma Chambers, the founder of Causeway Dog Training. Gemma started her training business back in 2020, and it has now grown to the point of moving to full time training in 2022. She is a well known name in the Northern Ireland dog training scene, having won Dog Trainer of the Year in 2022 at the Northern Ireland Pet Awards and is already nominated again for the same award in 2023. Gemma is a puppy training specialist through the Dog Training College and offers a wide range of services, including basic puppy training, agility, and hoopers training, as well as one-to-one and group sessions. Gemma trains at multiple venues along the North Coast and can even visit clients and their dogs in their own homes. This is to get a bigger picture of what your best friend has to deal with on a day-to-day basis. She has big plans for 2023 including competitions, a packed schedule of dog training, and a trip to Crufts. Join us as we talk to Gemma about her journey, her training methods, and her experiences. Stay tuned. So, hi Gemma, how are you? Welcome along to the show, how's things been?
1: Fantastic, thank you so much for having me on. It's been a very busy start to 2023.
0: It really has, I think, for everybody. I think the last time we chatted, we were both at a charity dog show for Friends Rescue up in Eglinton. Uh,
1: yep, we certainly were.
0: We were. I think we were both battling, uh, trying to get my one little working cocker to uh, have her first attempt at the agility course at one time.
1: Yep, absolutely. But she was incredibly cute doing it.
0: And didn't go too well. I think. I think. Uh, I think it went well until she reached the tunnel part. Then, uh, yeah, she just didn't want to go into it. Like so.
1: Oh well, you see, with the little cockers, as soon as they realise what the tunnel's all about, they love it.
0: I think uh, the snow this morning. Um, she said, uh, because we're, we're recording this today, that the snow was game, and uh, she just, uh, uh, this is her sort of first time seeing real snow, and it's just been absolutely nuts all morning.
1: Has <laughs> yeah, she been out doing zoomies?
0: Zoomies, and chasing snowballs, and then wondering when the snowballs went, but uh, yeah, that's <laughs> all part of it, I think. Fantastic. So, tell us a little bit about yourself. Who is Gemma Chambers?
1: Oh, well, I, of course, I'm Gemma Chambers. I live in Coleraine with... The husband, who probably absolutely everybody knows, um, Aaron Chambers, who is the manager of Trogs, local legend, I believe. Uh, but don't tell him because it gets to his head.
0: Yeah, it might, um, might get a bit uh, big.
1: It already is a little sore. Um, we have two kids and five dogs, which is pretty much so as easy se- as it can get, really.
0: So, se- so really, seven kids?
1: Yeah, a plus Aaron, sweet.
0: All right, fair enough. So, I have
1: a lot of work on my hands. <laughs>
0: So um, where are you from? What's your background before you became a full-time dog trainer?
1: So I grew up around the Carrick area um, and pretty much as a horsey girl uh, doing show jumping. So I actually did have a a border collie growing up and we would have had bamboo sticks out in the garden getting them to do agility. Um, I don't think at the time I knew it was dog agility. I think I just thought it was show jumping with the dog. So really the journey started a very long time ago. Te- um, technically and is. then technically yes, technically it's a pretty similar sport except at least you don't have to ride the dogs. That would be um a bit tricky. Yeah. So um I, I met Aaron in the final years of school and we moved off to Cornwall together and then came back, moved into Portrush, Rush, then went off to Hereford for a while and have then settled back in Corian. And here we are.
0: And here we are. Like it's been a a bit of a journey for you, should we say, but at least uh, Port Rush and Cornwall aren't too different.
1: Yeah. It's been quite the adventure and and Hereford was absolutely fantastic as well. It's a lovely place.
0: Yeah. So what profession were you in before you got into dog training?
1: I was in horticulture. So I was a a gardener um, at Maddie Benny in Port Rush. And that's what I was doing in Hereford as well. It's the, basically the Mecca of the UK for horticulture. So when I came back, I started gardening at Matty Benny.
0: Okay. I mean, what made you get into the dog training?
1: I basically got a puppy and I had wanted a greyhound because they basically do nothing. They just like to sleep, have a quick zoomie, and then they go back to sleep. But I, at the time, I couldn't figure out how to get myself a greyhound. So I contacted a rescue and said I'd like a, a more chilled older dog because the kids were very young, and they said, "Well, we've got this little collie cross puppy." And I went, I don't, "I don't want a puppy, guys." And they said, "Well, sure, just meet her." And I went to meet her, and of course, as soon as you meet the puppy, you love the puppy. Oh yeah. And we we came away thinking we're gonna have to do something with this puppy. We can't just get a collie cross and. Do nothing with it. So basically the, the moment I decided that she was definitely going to be ours, I decided I was going to be doing agility. Now with agility, you can't actually start until they are proper agility. You know, if you were to just go straight into a class, 12 months old is the youngest because it's such a high impact sport. So I had to basically just do a load of trick training with her until she was old enough. I got a lurcher in that time as well anyway. So I got semi on my way to get in the Greyhound. And I started Agility with her before Polly was then old enough to start. And I just absolutely loved it. So
0: so that's sort of the, uh, the journey of uh, of of the background of it?
1: Yeah, pretty much. Um, most dog trainers have the same story. I am the exception. Most of them come in because they've had a difficult dog and they've had to learn how to deal with the difficult dog and then spread it to everybody because it's it's such a journey. Uh, but I really did come into it because of the fun. Yeah. So whenever I, I was working at Maddie Benny and training Polly, and at this point then I've got Flash as well, who's my little deaf springer. Um. So I was working in Maddie Benny and doing the gardening throughout the day. And then on my lunchtime, I was going into the indoor arena and doing some agility training. And then sometimes in the evenings as well. And Philip White, who owned Maddie Benny, came to me one day and said, do you know, I could charge you a bit more if you had a wee club. And I thought, it's not a bad idea, Philip. And so I started teaching little classes, really casual for mostly the girls who kept their horses at Maddie Benny and had dogs as well, because most horsey people are also dog people. Oh yeah. And and we just, everybody absolutely loved it. And I really enjoyed coaching it. And they and told their friends about it and then the friends wanted to do it. Your friends were on the messages, so that it just kept growing.
0: That's just how a business starts, really? Yeah. Um, So, I mean, becoming a dog trainer, how do you go about it?
1: Well, there's a whole lot of ways, actually. Um, There's not necessarily one specific path there's a lot of courses online that you can do and some courses in person as well. I've done a lot of online courses and done a whole lot of certifications, quite a lot in the sports side as well. So I've got an agility instructor certification, canine 9 Hoopers, Trick Dog, and then I do have done quite a few puppy courses as well. And general, it's more about CPD. Most of the time, the one specific course that covers everything, so a whole range of topics taught by lots of different specialists to get a more rounded picture.
0: So I think in one of the uh, sort the wee blog that you had sent me, um, I mean, can you explain the different types of training services that you maybe offer at uh, Causeway Dog Training? And um, I think one of the things was what you specialised as a puppy training specialist. Can you tell us a bit more yep. about it as well?
1: Yep. So I have the two sides of, the, of Causeway Dog Training. One is the behaviour side. Behavior and general obedience, and so for that, that basically covers everything that you want your pet dog to do. So everything from the foundation of puppy stage right up to maybe having some behavioural issues with your pet dog. So for that, I do some one to ones, I do classes and packages of a mixture of the most. So you can basically cover everything needed in those services. I'm rambling a little bit now, yeah. <laughs> for your for your pet dog. Um, Well, the puppies, the puppy packages are fantastic because I get to see them in all the different environments. You get one-to-ones and classes. And the difference between one-to-ones and the classes is that with one-to-ones, I come out to the house and I see everything in the home environment and the routine and the schedule and the setup of the house and how the whole family interacts with the dog. And we set the routines that they're going to be working with at home and prevent any behavior issues. And then with the classes, you get to get them in with other puppies and other people. And the puppy classes aren't about just letting them free to play with other puppies. It's about being able to work with their human, with all these other distractions about, which is basically what life becomes as they grow up and they start going for walks. It doesn't mean they just get to go and run off and play with all the other
0: dogs have to stay
1: and listen to what their human says
0: because as a a dog owner puppy owner i mean she's only a year and a half now that is something that i always thought about was seeing her in the home environment rather than being in a class i think that's a a good idea i mean mean, you're saying that yourself because there's so many more distractions in a home there's cats there's play toys You know, stuff like that. And one thing that I at the minute, I've literally only got rid of my dog gate at the bottom of the stairs because mm-hmm. we sort of separated the upstairs and downstairs and uh trying to get our own to sit at the bottom of the stairs at night is mm-hmm. it's she's getting there. But it's just a bit of drama sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Lots of treats.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. Lots of um lots of payment for the, the good work.
0: Yeah, that seems to be the only way to do it. Can you tell me a bit about the? I mean, you also mentioned you do train at different venues around the North Coast. Can you tell me a bit more whereabouts that people can find you?
1: Yeah. So, all those behaviour classes that I just spoke about are all held at Ben Varden Kennels at the minute, which is just outside Ballybogee. Nice central location. And they basically converted one of their dog kennel barns into a training space a few years ago. So, it's a lovely big, open, well lit area that we can train in at night, which is really handy. And then the sports classes and one-to-ones are held at Maddie Benny in Port Rush, keeping with the original. And also last year I started training out at Lime Park in Armoy as well, which oh, yeah. is the most gorgeous place it really is. And I've got a lovely sand arena up the back of it where all my equipment hangs out and we can have nice big agility and Hooper's courses. So it's absolutely fantastic. And both Maddie Benny and Lime Park. Or dog friendly accommodations as well, so it's really, really lovely tie-in.
0: Yeah, it's uh it, it, again, there's a lot of that starting to come around the North Coast and around Northern Ireland as well. Um, about dog friendly accommodation, like
1: there really has to be because nearly everybody has a dog, and we love our dogs. I want to take them on holiday with us and not get left behind. So, if you don't go dog friendly, you're you're really getting left behind yourself.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I find that even when I'm now looking for a weekend away, because again, we had COVID and we're all coming out of it. Um, I'm starting to look at these staycation type things. And the more I look, mm-hmm. I'm wondering, I need to take the dog with me. Yeah, She's like a oh, week. Definitely do. <laughs>
1: yeah, absolutely.
0: Um, can you tell me a bit more about the hoopers? Um, part of your your classes as well, because I, I, again, I know about it, but I'm just not 100% about it. So
1: Yeah, hoopers is definitely the lesser known sport. Um Generally, across the whole of the UK, not even just Northern Ireland, it's quite a new sport in comparison to the likes of agility, but it is, it's really fun and it's kind of similar. So instead of jumping over jumps and going over the seesaw on the waves, the dogs go through what's basically a hula hoop with a base and they just run straight across the ground through the hoops, which are on the ground and around barrels and across the mats and through tunnels that are completely straight. So it's a much lower impact sport. So it's a bit nicer for the dogs that maybe can't quite handle the high impact of agility. But not only that, they just absolutely love it because it's such a fast and fun sport that they really can, they can just start running on a line through hoops and just keep going. With agility, there's more tight twists and turns and they really have to think through it. With hoopers, it's all quite smooth and flowing and they can just run as fast as they really want to and they just really enjoy it.
0: So lots of zoomies then.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It can also be really nice for handlers as well because you don't have to run for hoopers. There's quite a lot of emphasis on training distance skills so the dogs can be sent out to do the equipment by themselves and you just guide from a distance. Yeah. So if you're not able to run, it feels a bit more inviting than agility can do.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying going, that might suit me better because I don't like running. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I'm just gonna I'm gonna circle back to the um I mean I know you're saying about training in people's homes. What's different going to training in people's homes than uh, at your venues?
1: It really is. It's mostly about um the kind of issues that need to be addressed. If someone has a counter surfing issue where the dog's jumping up and grabbing the sandwich off the counter every morning, um, there's not much point in coming to class because I haven't got a counter for us to work against.
0: Just grab scum- um, Eyes count too?
1: It does, yes, absolutely. Beans on toast, yeah, whatever yeah, the yeah. issue is. Yeah. That's totally.
0: She to at the minute is she's sitting in the, uh, <laughs> the the seat beside me and nearly looking down your throat of uh, Daddy, I'm here. I'm I'm ready for breakfast. Yes.
1: I need I need my scrambled eggs please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's certainly they will address different issues. Um like dog reactivity. I've done a class before at Matty Betty where there are only three dogs in the class and it's such a big arena that they're able to be so far spaced out that it, it works okay, but for really reactive dogs, sticking them in a class with five other dogs is not going to work. So that, I do a home visit as well, and I go out and we work at greater distances so that the dog can cope with and get gradually closer as they get more comfortable.
0: Yeah.
1: It's all about basically working within their, their threshold and keeping them happy and just allowing them to feel more comfortable.
0: Yeah, I think that's the main thing, especially, again, circling back to my own, was making her feel that she's not under threat by any other dogs because she she was the type of dog that would have laid down on her back and put her legs in the air. Uh, oh, yeah. And
1: a little puppy don't hurt me.
0: Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I mean, you talked about different dogs and, and how they react. I mean, different breeds, I'm sure, have completely different characteristics, should we say. Um,
1: yeah, absolutely. I
0: mean, every dog I've owned... Over the course of my life, anyway, I mean, I've had um, from German Shepherds. I mean, we were a big German Shepherd family and um, we're right down to mm-hmm. Cochrane. So they're totally different dogs, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, um, they absolutely are.
0: In your opinion, what if you were saying advice about the puppy? Because I know like everybody has their choice of puppies. What are the easiest and hardest to train, in your opinion? Ooh, from your experiences? I think
1: it it certainly depends on what you want your puppy for. If you want to have a super adventurous puppy to go on mountain climbs with you and do agility and have all, all that fun, you're definitely going to want something like a little Cocker Spaniel, especially a little working Cocker Spaniel. Yeah. Um, but if, you're, if your vision is lying on the sofa for half the day and chilling out and just lounging around, going for a casual walk with your dog, you do not want a Cocker Spaniel. They're gonna drive you nuts.
0: Which one was which, which one would you which one would you get if you wanted that?
1: You would get a greyhound, <laughs> a greyhound, or a lurcher or a whippet. They are so chilled and fantastic. So yeah, it really does depend on what what your outlook is. Um, let me think. Uh, well, to be honest, I absolutely love spaniels myself. I really do. I think they're fantastic, but they're not the easiest to train if you don't know how to train them I don't think that I wouldn't say that you train them the same as you train all dogs yeah. Um, would I be right in saying that your little girl isn't that fussed on food whenever she goes out for a walk
0: 100% like mm-hmm. like treats treat, walking and trying to get her to walk beside you with treats is out the window she just wants to yep. go and sniff but she will come back which is something we wrote that I was always afraid of that she would run off and and you know, trying to get her back is the problem. But she, 99% of the time, 98% of the time maybe, she will come back when you call her like, which is, yeah. what do you really want from a dog like? It really is, yeah.
1: So, um, yeah, as you say, the, trying to train a spaniel to walk on the lead with treats, it doesn't work. <laughs> so um, I, I have done spaniel lead walking classes in the past because you can't just stick them in a class with other dogs. They're like a Labrador. Labrador is going to want to eat absolutely everything. Yeah. That you throw at it. So you're going to train a Labrador differently that you then you're going to train a spaniel who really just wants to be out adventuring.
0: Yeah. Again, that's why they're working dogs and they're used for different sports and things like that.
1: They are absolutely and they work so hard. They do. And once you figure out what to reinforce them with, they're absolutely brilliant and they they are really brilliant to train. Yeah. But you got to figure them out first.
0: Yeah. Um going on your I mean from you mean you've had a lot of clients over the last while can you tell me about one of your success stories um with a client and their dog um again you don't need to mention any names like but on how you maybe helped them achieve their goals or what they needed wanted to, their dog to end up doing
1: yeah absolutely i mentioned earlier that i did a reactive dog class with just the three dogs in it and one of those who came to that class was jillian from Coastal canines. She's a pet sitter in, in Port Rush. Okay, yeah. And um, one of her dogs, great in the house with other dogs, but out on the beach, if it was an unknown dog, he would be making a big scene, basically. Um, and so she contacted me about this and signed him up for the the Reactive Dog class. And he came along and he was absolutely brilliant in the class. And in the class, we went through quite a lot of Control Unleashed concepts. And Control Unleashed is basically a system created by Leslie McDevitt. And it's all about helping dogs to feel more calm and focused in stressful situations. And so we taught um, Max, the dog, to some coping strategies, like how to actually take a deep breath. Like we do whenever we're stressed. Yeah, We taught all the dogs in the class, to take a deep breath so that if something was a bit stressful, they could calm themselves back down and you can put it on cue so you can ask them to take a deep breath. Um, I do that as well with my, my youngest, whenever we're out at the show, when it gets a bit noisy, okay. ask her to take a deep breath and she chills right down. So we did the same with Max. He learned to then cope a bit better in the situations yeah. and he's now out walking on the beach at, like she used to walk at five o'clock in the morning to avoid anybody and I don't wish walking at five o'clock in the morning upon anyone. Oh
0: no, especially not and, like today.
1: No, definitely not and especially not over the winter when it's dark as well. Yeah. Um. And she's now able to take him out and walk past other dogs on the beach and he isn't throwing a wobbly. Not necessarily, you know, going up and saying hi to other dogs but you know, it's not always the goal, anyway. Yeah, he's just able to go out and be more comfortable out in his walks and not just feel so worried about anybody that's going to be walking past him.
0: Yeah, but well, you're, you're touching on something there again that a lot of dog owners, I think, need to know is about not all dogs want dogs to come up to them. It's like no, it's like people don't. they don't want people to come up to them. Um, so I mean, what I think we always were told were always ask is, is it yeah. okay to let the dog come up to the dog
1: yeah absolutely see people who have reactive dogs their absolute nightmare is awfully dogs running at them yeah. that is you know the, the being of nightmares yeah you've got disco dogs and you've got library dogs some dogs like the disco and they want to go party with all their friends
0: <laughs> do you know what they're that, that,
1: hanging that, out in the library that, with that maybe sum- one or two select friends
0: that sums it up actually quite well in fairness yeah. So another thing we did, that I noticed on what you'd sent into the the podcast was that um, you compete in the Crufts?
1: No, not me. Not, not quite that level yet, Chris. Okay. Not yet. <laughs> give me a few years, all give, right? Give me
0: a few years. <laughs> um,
1: yeah, that but, is the plan. Hopefully, Flash the deaf the deaf Springer is gonna. I'm hoping to get him qualified in the next couple of years to do one of the agility competitions. Okay. But this year, one of the girls that trains with me is competing. Okay, which is. Immensely exciting Crossfire. So, this will be, I think, my third year going to crafts, and it's it's the biggest scale you could ever imagine. It's like a full on village or a town. Yeah, the size of it. It takes you the whole day to walk around the whole thing. Yeah. Um. So this so if year, you're, if you're a dog
0: lover, the, you'd love it.
1: Yeah, you definitely would. There's absolutely something for everybody at it. Um. So a couple of the girls that uh, trim with me and I are going over this year to. Have a bit of a team holiday and go to support Ellie because she's going to be absolutely brilliant, and it feels super special for me because Ellie started online training with me over lockdown. Okay, doing the Hoopers Awards online, and now um, mere years later, she is competing in the biggest competition basically in the world.
0: Yeah, pretty much. Um, I mean, I don't think they can go any bigger than Craft's, like especially here in the UK, anyway. Um absolutely. So I'm guessing it's a you mean you see one of your own students go in there, it's just a it's gonna be a high for you in March.
1: It absolutely is. We are super excited about it and she's qualified in so many of the competitions as well. So she's got lots of opportunities to show off how awesome they are.
0: Definitely. Um so I mean as a as a dog lover, of course, going to Crafts like it's it's one of those places I would love to go to. Um mm-hmm. What what else apart from the dogs at crafts would you be seeing?
1: Oh well, question. they have lots of yes, well mostly dogs, um, but there's lots of different dog events. So Ellie's mostly competing in the YKC ring, which is the Young Kennel Club. Okay, and so that's where you get the basically a showcase of all the juniors in all the dog sports. You've got agility and handling and grooming. Um, and they're all in this YKC ring, and then some get to go on to compete in the main arena as well. Um, there's an obedience ring. There's all the shopping. Looking forward to that this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and something that I actually haven't seen, this will be my third time, and I still have not seen flyball lines. Right, okay. And I don't know if this is too embarrassing to share, but you see my whole time... Growing up watching Crofts on the TV, yeah. for some reason, I don't know why, but I would watch the dogs doing fly ball on the TV and I would cry every time. Couldn't I help myself? I'd be in floods of tears. I think because they just love it so much. Of oh, joy. And you could see how much joy those dogs had and oh, it just yeah. got me so overwhelmed. that I'd be sitting balling at the TV just watching these dogs running up and down to get a ball.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. with it. It's basically, people don't know, it's a, it's a relay race for, for dogs.
1: It is. They've got little hurdles. They run up, they grab a ball at the end, fly back down the hurdles against another team, and it's super fast and crazy. Yeah. But the dogs are wild and they absolutely love it.
0: Yeah. Maybe that's something we should. Uh, we could see at the Cosby dog trainer. Well
1: no, there is um a flyball club in Ballybogie, Right, okay. So if anybody's interested in fly ball, look them up. Get on it. I I'm pretty sure they're called Ballyboby Flyball. Club. <laughs>
0: um So again, um you were Dog trainer of the year, last year? Oh my
1: gosh, yes. That was absolutely crazy. Uh, basically, I got the nomination and I thought, well, wow, that's really cool that someone thinks that I'm, I'm good enough to be dog trainer of the year. Yeah. And so, it comes to time of the finals and um, I'm not exactly a glamorous person. So, Aaron and I drive to Junction One on the way there and have to buy me makeup to put on in the car. On the way to this event, and I basically just went for the dinner. I was looking at all the other people in my category, and I thought, "Wow, look at all these amazing trainers that are so high profile and fantastic. yeah, I'm gonna go and have a nice night and eat the dinner and just enjoy myself and so we got there, and we' go and look at the the table plan and find uh, the seating plan and see where we we were sitting, and we were sitting at the organizer's table with the <laughs> with Pamela Valentine, okay, the organizers of the event, and the representatives from Rosie's Trust, who were the charity for the year, and I was joking to Aaron saying they've either forgotten about us or they think that I'm so amazing they have to meet me. And this was an absolute joke. I thought they'd literally forgotten about us and thought, oh, oh dear, we'll just stick stick them at our table. Yeah, <laughs> because that was where the only spaces were, and then. I think we were maybe only the third category to get announced, and I, I was in so much shock to be.
0: So it was. Ge- I honestly really, like just went
1: for the. Yeah, absolutely. I just went for the dinner. I could not believe it. I was absolutely shaking.
0: I'm sure, like I'm sure, even going up on the stage at that point, um, it may be a bit of a blur still.
1: It absolutely was. It was. It it was just madness. Um, and then I'm walking back, and there's other people that I know from the agility community who are nominated in different categories. They're all going, Yeah, Jim. And I'm just in so much shock. I, I'm just shaking and uh, I've been walking along like, Oh my gosh.
0: And nominated, nominated again in 2023.
1: I am indeed, yes. So I'm really exciting to go back, but definitely feeling the pressure more this year.
0: I was going to say, it's like a returning a returning as a champion and uh, trying to keep
1: Yeah, trying to make the comeback, yeah.
0: That's it. Um, I mean, what can we expect now from Cosway Dog Training in 2023? What's your plans?
1: It is, it's going to be a big year. I am really, really excited about 2023. So this year... I have introduced one of the big agility organizations from the mainland into Northern Ireland. And we're going to be having our first show on the 5th of February at Connell Hill in Randallstown. Um, and we've currently got 70 people entered. There's, oh, well over 200 runs. I think there's oh, 300 runs. It's going to be 300, 300 rounds, basically, of dogs running around the course. So, think of it. Um It's a big event. It's really exciting. Um, It's a bit of a change for Northern Ireland in the way that this event's going to be running, um, but really positive changes that I'm really excited to implement. So that's really exciting for me to be getting started. So I've got one, the first one in February, and I've got another one set up for April as well. And then as well, I've got um, Hoopers competition starting to run this year, starting in March and another one in April. And then I've got my full class schedule going on and one to ones. And because I went full time training last year, I'm absolutely flat out now with training. So everything's just going full steam ahead at the minute.
0: So a lot on.
1: There's a lot on. And then because all the agility is going absolutely wild, I'm going to be running some have a go sessions on the 31st of January as well. So if anyone wants to come and have a go at agility, they can do it. Matty Benny and Portrush. Rush.
0: Okay. 31st of January at Matty Benny. That's where we were going to. Have the have yep. ones, um
1: yep you can my... come in, check out. <laughs> come and see if she's improved any <laughs>
0: mm. We'll see how the tunnel gets on this time <laughs>
1: yeah, absolutely,
0: but um no I mean, more for her, which I find um is her she likes she likes the whole sniffer dog work. she, oh, she yeah, absolutely. find absolutely anything you could throw anything or hide anything, and she will find it like so that's something I think I'm gonna look more into, but we'll see.
1: Absolutely. Do you know about man trailing?
0: No. Tell me a bit about it. So,
1: man trailing trailing is a sport where it's basically um, a sport version of search and rescue. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, They're competitive, so... Yeah, I certainly see agility as a sport and I see myself as a bit of a casual athlete in agility. I don't say I look like an athlete, but I certainly can feel like one when I'm sprinting around a course and coming off at the other end, not being able to breathe. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so man trailing is the sport version of uh, search and rescue. So somebody goes out and hides and the dog has to go and find them. So there's a girl in Coleraine. Called Laura, who runs Sniffer Paws, and okay. she runs man trailing sessions, and you get to go and search out people with your dog. Yeah,
0: that that. Do you see that? Just sounds straight up. Even me street should be saying because that's what she's called. Like, um, and again, I've looked at it, so it is definitely something that it would be good to get into. Like,
1: yeah, it's good fun for them. Uh, basically, any most dogs love a sport of some sort, whether it's scent work or agility or hookers. It's just about getting them out and getting. Their brain working a bit and they do enjoy using their brains and of course the agility and the hoopers get some running around as well which most of them absolutely love doing especially your collies and your spaniels and the labradors and all of them but there's a sport for all of them
0: definitely um quick question Uh, Mm -hmm. tips on buying a puppy if you were looking at a puppy now as a person what would you be thinking what would you be telling people to look out for or be what would you be telling them to be doing with their new puppy
1: okay so puppy buying can be a bit of a minefield i absolutely insist that you must see both the parents buying off gum tree can be pretty dodgy puppy farmers are rife and they're doing a pretty good job of making it look like they're legitimate and doing things nicely When they're really not. So a good idea can be to look up the Kennel Club website and see what assured breeders there are in the area or anywhere um, that are basically checked to make sure that the the dog's welfare is up to standard. Puppy farmers just don't bother. They've got hundreds of dogs in a barn and they're lying in their own poo and it's disgraceful, basically. Um, So don't give them your money. Even if you think that you just need to get the poor puppy out of there, you're giving them money to carry on doing it again. So steer clear of the puppy farmers. Meet both the parents. Check what socialization that the breeder is going to be doing with the puppy because the puppy is going to be learning all about the world, basically from the moment that they're born. And so if your puppy spends eight weeks with the breeder and they don't take them out of the house and they don't meet anybody new, You've already lost out on the eight weeks of socialization that they could have been having. Yeah. The breeder could be taking them out in the car, bringing kids around to meet them, um, just taking them out in, in arms to the shops. They don't have to be put down because they haven't had their vaccinations yet, but they should be starting to go out and experience the world even before they've had their vaccinations so that they start to form this idea of what's normal. Yeah. If they don't see anything and they just okay. live in a, a nice little cozy kitchen for eight weeks of their life and then suddenly they're out on the street and there's cars passing it can be really scary so the earlier they get exposure to these kinds of things the better they're going to get on with the general life as they as they get older
0: yeah everyday life
1: yes and certainly check that you're getting the right breed for for what you want and you can message me and i will help you pick the right breed and talk you through all your options as well. And something else I recommend doing is whenever you're, whenever you've chosen your puppy and you've maybe met them at four or five weeks old, take a blanket with you, a little blanket or just something that the the breeder can keep with them until they're ready to leave and that can be kept with the litter and get the litter smell on it. So that whenever you go to pick up your puppy to bring them home, they've got that item with the scent of the litter on it, and that should help them to relax on their first couple of nights away from them because it's a big shock going from living with all your brothers and sisters to being on your own in a new home.
0: Yeah, and that, that again, one of the things that we found when we got the pup was exactly that. Um, and there's one thing that I did sort of think about was the the blanket. And I'd been told about it and things like that, and of course, I forgot about it. But um, <laughs> she did go through quite a lot. She had a lot of anxiety, and that's what I think people have to realise that. And what you were saying is, they're in a big new room. They haven't got the brothers and sisters. They haven't got their mom, and they may be in their own for the first night. And it's a big AMA. shock. You know, it's a big shock. Like
1: yeah. And if they have a meltdown, you gotta go to them. If they have a meltdown and no one's there to rescue them, then they're not gonna feel any more safe or comfortable. So you gotta go spend some time with them. Why? think is probably the the best and the easiest thing to do is have a crate in your bedroom and let them even if your plan is them to sleep somewhere else let them sleep in a crate in the bedroom for the first couple of nights so they feel more secure and then you can gradually start moving it out of the bedroom as they feel more secure to the final resting place because if if you start off with them having a meltdown they're probably just going to carry on feeling more anxious about it if they come in and they feel more secure that they're with you you're probably going to get on a bit better.
0: One thing that I found um, helped when I when I got Mia was keeping a diary at night. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. I, I think a lot of. A and keep of a trainings.
1: diary through the day as well. Yeah. Especially that will help with your toilet training. If you know how long after they have a dinner that they're going to go to the toilet, some you can of, be prepared and get them out ahead of time.
0: Some of my diary entries were hilarious. This is Twitter that way at <laughs> two o'clock in the morning. She had a thing about slugs in the garden.
1: Oh, yeah. I was she trying to eat them?
0: Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Oh. but uh, not, a lot, a lot of slugs were uh, were removed. Should we say?
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're out there with your torch, exactly. or your bucket.
0: Um, again, the first place we sort of met was at an event for Friends of Rescue, um, mm-hmm. our a d- dog and cat rescue center. Would you recommend rescuing a dog over buying a puppy?
1: I certainly think that there is a space for both. I have four rescues and one puppy that I purchased. Um, I don't know if it's any coincidence, but the one puppy that I purchased is the worst behaved.
0: <laughs> That's what I was going to ask you. Who is your best behaved and who's your worst behaved that you have?
1: Oh, well had? obviously the obviously the best behaved is the lurcher because she just she's just so casual. Just hangs out during the day and takes it all easy. Uh, but I also have to I have to give credit to Flash the Springer, like he's deaf and he's amazing. His recall is the fastest of all the dogs. You just give him a little wave and he's straight back over and you can take him absolutely anywhere and he's so well behaved. Um, I got a puppy from Friends of Rescue last year. She was meant to be a foster. They basically called me and said, this little puppy's going to be killed by this farmer. Can you just take her for the night? And I said, OK, sure, we'll take her for the night and then she can get a new foster tomorrow because I'd stopped fostering at this point because, you know, I don't dogs.
0: <laughs> um, and here we are, years
1: later. Here we are. She's still here. She was this tiny little black ball. And I thought, oh my gosh, look at this little puppy. And she was crazy. And it came to the point where I, <laughs> I was some messenger to the, the girls from Friends of Rescue saying, guys, we can't rehome this puppy. She's a nutter. <laughs> she drives someone mad. Um, and I've kept her. And she's still an absolute nutter. Um, but and a bit, a, a bit of a nightmare, but I absolutely adore her. And she's, she's perfect for what I want. She is a very good example of getting the puppy that meets your needs. She if she was at a pet home, she would have driven people mad. She probably would have been rehomed by now, but as a little sports dog, she's incredible and exactly what, what, what I was looking for in a puppy. Yeah. I'm yeah.
0: happy to. Um,
1: so, so certainly rescuing can be really rewarding. I got two from the Pound and they were the best dogs ever so gentle, so perfect. Um, Polly came as a puppy from rescue and she was raised by my friend Rosemary, who is the ultimate puppy foster raiser ever. She raises puppies in the most incredible fashion and they, you know, they're out in a buggy seeing everything. She gets so well socialized and they're so well cared for. So I got, I got Polly from Rosemary and that's where our friendship started basically. Um, So the, the, she was a great example of a puppy from a rescue who was just, she was born in the Pound basically and Rosemary raised her since she was transferred from the Pound a couple of days old up until she was eight weeks old. Yeah. Which was really lovely. Like rescue people do so much. They really dedicate a lot of time and a lot of effort.
0: A lot of them are underappreciated, I think, about how much work they actually do. I mean, because they're out at all hours of the evening picking up cats and dogs and out of some really, really awful circumstances.
1: Absolutely. I fostered um, quite a lot of dogs as well. And I had fostered a greyhound for Friends of Rescue who was such an absolute state and she'd been. I think she'd been left in the pound, and her tail was disintegrating into itself and she had to have multiple surgeries on it and she was so emaciated when she arrived and she just became the biggest goofball um we would have had her for a couple of months and then we had a little springer puppy as well also for friends of rescue yeah. and he he just span he couldn't move in a a straight line and Nobody really knew exactly why, but he was a lot of rehabilitation and working with physios and hydrotherapists to try to get him having somewhat of a normal life. And he, he does seem to have somewhat of a normal life now where he doesn't spin in such tight little circles anymore, but he yeah. goes out and he can do a big sweeping circle out in a on a field and it just it's really rewarding, but it is so hard.
0: Yeah. And I think people don't realise that how hard it is um for people Whenever, the, whenever there maybe is something wrong, um, especially trying to rehome an animal, um, yeah, it's it. I I've known them, the ones from Friends Rescue. It's actually actually weird that I found out that I went to school with one of them. And uh, oh, really? Yeah, just the amount of time that they spend is is crazy. It's like yourself. I'm sure training uh, you spend so much time with the dog one on one, and when you see them get a new home or you see them. Now going to cross, it's it's probably so rewarding for yourself, like so.
1: It really is. It's really making a difference to people's lives because the dogs are really members of the family, and so if there's something going a bit awry, it really does affect the whole family. So being able to fix that, it really does just improve how everybody's feeling about life.
0: One hundred percent, it does. One hundred percent. Well, thanks so much for joining me. Thanks for being on the episode and. uh Good luck to your student at Crofts I hope it all goes well. Thanks
1: so much. I will pass it on. I'm sure it's going to be great.
0: Plenty of shopping at Crufts in. Yeah, absolutely. But thanks so much, Gemma. Thanks for joining me.
1: Thank you so much for having me on.
0: Thanks to Gemma for joining us on this episode of The Causeway Cast and for all the fantastic advice. So if you are thinking about a new puppy this year joining your family, it is important to do your own research and avoid puppy farms at all costs. Instead, look for an assured breeder through the Camel Club website, and make sure that you meet both the parents and check the socialization the breeder is providing for your puppy. It is also important to choose the right breed for your lifestyle. And remember, do your own research into each breed's different needs growing up so that you get a companion that suits your day-to-day life. One of the main things that we found out this episode is to be prepared for your puppy's new transition into their new home remember to bring a blanket to the breeder that you're getting your puppy from so that it can get the scent of its litter mates onto that blanket. This will help you when you pick up your new puppy and provide a secure and confident environment for them in their first few nights away in their new home. If you do have any other questions or concerns about buying a new puppy or even dog training in general, feel free to reach out to Gemma at Causeway Dog Training for help and guidance. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Causeway Cast. I'm Chris Arthur and I'll see you again very soon.